Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. Also, John Miltimore is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. He'll be with us. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author of many murder mysteries, Jim will be joining us as well. It is February the 12th, and on this day in 1809, future U.S. President Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky. Uh, Lincoln grew up as a member of a poor family in Kentucky and Indiana. He attended school for only one year, but thereafter read on his own in a continual effort to improve his mind. As an adult, he lived in Illinois and performed a variety of jobs, including stints as a postmaster, surveyor, and shopkeeper before entering politics. He served in the Illinois legislature from 1834 to 1842, I should say. And in Congress, he served from 47 to 1849, and then became an attorney. In 1842, Lincoln married Mary Todd. Together, the pair raised four sons. Lincoln returned to politics uh, during the 1850s, a time when the nation's longstanding division over slavery was flaring up, particularly in new territories being added to the Union. As a leader of the Republican Party, Lincoln was considered politically moderate, even on the issue of slavery. He advocated the restriction of slavery to the states in which it had already existed and described the practice as a minor issue as late as 1854. In an 1858 senatorial race, as secessionist sentiment brewed among the southern states, he warned, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He did not win the Senate seat, but earned national recognition as a strong political force. Lincoln's inspiring oratory soothed the populace anxious about the southern states' secessionist threats and boosted his popularity. As presidential candidate in the election of 1860, Lincoln tried to reassure slaveholding interests that although he favored abolition, he had no intention of ending the practice in states where it already existed and prioritized saving the Union over freeing enslaved people. When he won the presidency by an approximately 400,000 popular votes, that was a lot back in the day, and carried the Electoral College, he was in effect handing a ticking time bomb, is, is what he was uh, handed, his concessions to the slaveholders failed to prevent South Carolina from leading other states into an exodus from the Union that began shortly after his election. By February 1, 1861, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas had seceded from the Union. Soon after the Civil War began and the war progressed, Lincoln uh, moved closer to committing himself into the, uh, as a nation to the abolitionist movement, and in 1863, he finally signed the Emancipation Proclamation. The document freed slaveholding enslaved people in Confederate states, but did not address the legality of slavery in Missouri, Kansas, or Arkansas, or what was then Nebraska Territory. <clears throat> Lincoln was tall. He was six foot four. As a young man, he impressed others with his sheer physical strength. He was a legendary wrestler in Illinois and entertained friends and strangers alike with his dry witsy uh, wit. Exasperated by one Civil War military defeat after another, Lincoln wrote to a lethargic general, if you're not using the army, I should like to borrow it for a while. <laughs> a big dig there for, for a general. An animal lover, Lincoln once declared, I, I care not for a man's religion whose dog or cat they are not better for it. Fittingly, a variety of pets took up residence in the Lincoln White House, including a pet turkey named Jack and a goat called Nanco. Lincoln's son, Tad, frequently hitched Nanco to a small wagon and drove around the White House grounds. Lincoln's sense of humor may have helped him hide a recurring bout of depression. He has admitted to his friends and colleagues that he suffered from intense melancholia and hypochondria, most of the, his adult life, perhaps in order to cope with it, Lincoln engaged in self-effacing humor, even shouting himself about his famous homely looks. When an opponent in the 1858 Senate race debate called him two-faced, he replied, 
if I had another face, do you think I'd wear this one? <laughs> Lincoln is remembered as a great emancipator, although he waffled on the subject of slavery in the early years of his presidency because he was devoted to keeping the Union together. His greatest legacy uh, was his work to preserve the Union and signing the Emancipation Proclamation. Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States and a great man. With his record close on, with the record close on Friday, the S&P 500 accomplished something it hadn't done since 1972. It rose in 14 out of the last 15 weeks. All three major indexes are coming off five straight winning weeks thanks to strong corporate earnings and optimism about the economy. The latest surge has been dizzying with S&P rallying 20% since early November. The index has doubled since September 2017 when it was at 2,500. More boomers appear to be comfortable enough with their retirement funds to clock out once and for all, thanking, thanks to the re recent spike in retirements. The U.S. has 2.7 million more retirees than predicted by the St. Louis Fed. How about that? So people are starting to retire. Well, as you probably know by now, the Kansas City Chiefs won Super Bowl 58 last night, beating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in a dramatic overtime finish. It marked just the second time overtime game in Super Bowl history and the first time a team had won back-to-back -back titles since the Patriots did it in 2003 and 4. Coming, uh, combining seven field goals, 49ers kicker Jake Moody made the longest kick in Super Bowl history at 55 yards, only to be outdone by Chiefs Harrison Butker, who drilled a 57-yarder in the third quarter. The victory is the Chiefs' fourth championship in franchise history and their third in the past five years. Star quarterback Patrick Mahomes threw for 333 yards and two touchdowns en route to being named the Super Bowl MVP, his third time winning that award. Congratulations uh, to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Although I understand they missed a few holding calls and there's some controversy on that, but uh, that's another story. Well, Egyptian officials threatened yesterday to suspend its peace treaty with uh, Israel should the country's forces advance into the border city of Rafah, which they're doing. Uh, I didn't find this report on uh, all news outlets, but this is kind of interesting. They threatened to end the peace accord they had since 1973. The, the warning comes as Israel President Benjamin Netanyahu reiterated plans to move into the city, uh, saying evacuation routes are being est established for civilians. An estimated 1.5 million people, roughly 65% of Gaza's population, has sheltered near Rafah, having been displaced by Israel's north-to-south operation. It's also home to the uh, main border checkpoint for delivering aid into ter the territory, which officials say is at risk of acute famine. The uh, Egypt-Israel uh, Treaty stretches back to 1978 uh, Camp David Peace Accords, which uh, established the first formal peaceful relationship between Israel and a neighboring Arab state. Separately, uh, Israel revealed a network of tunnels discovered in Gaza under the headquarters of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency in Palestine. The agency has come under recent criticism after allegations a dozen of its employees participated in the Hamas October 7th attack in Israel. We should stop funding that agency. Late yesterday, Israel announced something really important. They rescued two hostages from captivity in an overnight operation. Congratulations to the Israelis giving hope about saving the other hostages that remain in uh, Gaza. In a side note, Moody's credit rating agency downgraded Israel's debt from A1 to A2, citing economic toll of the uh, war in Gaza. So uh, interest in U.S. national debt is on pace to become the second largest federal government expenditure, according to news analysis by the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. The CRFB characterizes interest on the national debt currently climbing uh, to $35 trillion as the fastest growing part of the federal government's annual budget. The uh, committee uh, February report added that uh, as a share of the economy, Debt will grow from 97% of the gross domestic product in fiscal year 2023, twice the 50-year uh, uh, historical average of 48%. So it's, <clears throat> again, part, as part of the GDP, it's a historical average of 48%, now up to 97%. And a record 106% is predicted by 2028. 
Net interest payments will exceed both defense and Medicare spending this year, uh, according to new projections from the Congressional Budget Office. This will make interest the second largest government expenditure, according to the Budget Watchdog's analysis. Can you believe that? That's so sad. And if we didn't have the inflation, if we had the increase in interest rates, this wouldn't be the case. That comes back to Biden, uh, Bidenomics. Near interest has been net interest has been exploding over the past few years, with payments rising from two hundred twenty-three billion dollars in two thousand fifteen to three hundred fifty-two in twenty twenty-one, and before nearly doubling to sixty-six hundred fifty-nine billion in twenty twenty-three. In twenty twenty-four, the CBO projects net interest will total eight hundred seventy billion dollars, a near record three point one percent of the gross domestic product. That's just the interest, never mind the debt itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the uh, Florida Republican Party announced Saturday it's endorsing former President Donald Trump as he steams forward, uh, securing his third straight nomination for president. It comes after Trump handily won the first three presidential primary contests of 2024. And uh, he's just rolling along. I don't know if you saw the, the televised rally that was held this weekend, but he just overflowing crowds again. Well, President uh, Joe Biden and his inner circle have grown increasingly dissatisfied with Attorney General Merrick Garland, with sources indicating the frustration stems from the handling of the special counsel's report by Robert Herr. Herr's report, which involved an investigation of Biden's management of classified documents discovered at his think tank and home, concluded without charges against the president. However, it's, it is the rationale behind the decision, Biden's portrayal as an individual with diminished mental faculties that purportedly sparked the discontent. Here's the extended quote from the report. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to the jury as he did during our interview with him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. Based on our direct interactions and observations of him, he is someone for whom many jurors will want to identify a reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they would convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires mental state of willfulness. Uh, he didn't remember when his son died. He didn't remember when he was vice president. The, these are all things that they cited in the report. So, Joe, you know, if you're biting the hand that feeds you, you can't have it both ways. If hers explanation is not true, then you should have been indicted. You should have been indicted. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. He's also located in Tel Aviv uh, and uh, right in the eye of the storm. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, let's start off our discussion with what's going on in Israel and uh, uh, Gaza. Uh, can you give us an update? Absolutely. So today was the first day Israelis woke up to some good news for a change. Uh, the um, Israeli armed forces managed to free two of the hostages in a special op uh, last night from the area of Rafiach. Uh, so that was a you know good news. A 60-year-old and 70-year-old man who's been held hostage now for... 125 days was was freed, um, and, and it creates um, and it creates hope that that the others could be as well. To some extent, obviously, we these were held above ground in an apartment. From what I understand, Israel knew their location for a while, ah. but was waiting for the right moment uh, to do it. Since the people guarding them were told the first sign of a uh, attempt to rescue them, kill the hostages. Ah. So it had to be a precision uh, a pre- precision attack. It was, um, and um, the hostages and the soldiers all um, were rescued, and all the soldiers returned to base uh, with no serious injuries to any of them. Fabulous. So that was the good news of the day. Uh, Like usual, unfortunately, there's always some bad news not related to the hostage rescue. Uh, A few Israelis, two Israeli soldiers were were killed yesterday. Hmm. Uh, But the war at this point, the big question is, Israel has has gone through almost all of Gaza except this, southern city of Rafah, which is sitting close to the Egyptian border, and it's a place where many of the refugees have gone, and so the big question is, and many of the Hamas people have gone. So the question is, what do you do about Rafah? Uh, You have to find some place for the refugees to go in the meantime, Um, and the whole world is saying, don't go into Rafah, don't go into Rafah, and Israel is basically saying, well, if we don't go into Rafah, that means Hamas uh, lives to fight another day, and that, you know, the goal has to be to uh, eliminate Hamas, and also there's obviously a lot of hostages down in Rafah at this point. Right. So it's, it's an open question right now. Um, basically, everybody is saying don't do it without a really good plan to to find an alternative for the refugees that are there. And so that's really the question, whether Israel can find an alternative plan where to put these people in the meantime. Um, so in the meantime, the negotiations for some sort of hostage deal have not materialized. Hamas's basic um, basic demand hasn't changed, an end to the war and a full Israeli withdrawal, and they stay in power. So I, I found I found one source, Mark, that suggested that the uh, Egyptians were not happy with the situation and were uh, considering uh, withdrawing from the peace accord they had since 1978 with Israel. No, I mean there is a, there was a report, but it only appeared in one in one source. There is the Egyptians are not happy. Uh, they do not want Israel to go into Rafah. They fear that the Palestinians will cross the border and enter Sinai. Uh-huh. And they don't want any Palestinians inside of Egypt. So that's where it comes down to. From what I understand, there was a security mission of Israeli military uh, personnel who went to Egypt yesterday and 
met with them and tried to work out, um, you know, a plan that will work. We'll have mm-hmm. to see. Um, you know, the Saudis have warned not to do it. Uh, Biden theoretically has said not to do it or not to do it without a really good plan. Um, and so that's where it stands. I mean, it's a difficult challenge. There are 1.5 million people there. Right. And um, you, it's very difficult to have urban warfare in the middle of 1.5 million um, civilians. And I understand. You know, again, it's, an I inter- it's an interesting scenario because everyone's saying, well, Israel should bring a ceasefire. Well, you know, Hamas could, you know, surrender. That's right. That would take care of the problem. Yeah. Like, Hamas could release all the hostages. That would take care of the problem. That's right. Uh, and the so, the other uh, report is that these people are on the verge of starvation. The uh, the uh, people, the innocent people, like quote unquote innocent people that uh, have uh, found shelter in southern Gaza. Well, that's one of the interesting questions, right? There's a tremendous amount of food being delivered at this point, but Hamas is taking most of it, and not mm. delivering it mostly to the people. Mm. So the problem is, how do you solve this problem, which gets even more complicated? Because UNRWA, which is the United Nations Relief Organization that only works uh, with Palestinians, it's a whole other story, um, it turns out that, A, it is completely and deeply, most of its members are also Hamas members. Right. And so yesterday they discovered a complete uh, Hamas server farm, an intelligence center, sitting right under UNRWA's headquarters, huh. uh, pulling, uh, pulling power, and it looks like pulling internet, from UNRWA, hmm. and you know, so we didn't know, but you know, basically, most of its employees are members of Hamas, and so it gets very complicated. So one of the other uh, things um, that, that came out yesterday, or they, yeah, it was, I guess it was yesterday, because Israel got all these intelligence centers. You know, for instance, one of the Al Jazeera um, reporters—that's the um, the Qatari television network—is very popular in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, I think one of them, a few of them have been killed, but they had proof. It showed he was not only a Qatari news reporter, he was also in charge of an anti-tank brigade of, of, um, of Hamas. Huh. It's very complicated and very difficult, uh, especially when the civilians and the, uh, uh, and God, and the Hamas get kind of mixed together. It's very difficult. So, but nevertheless, I mean, my personal feeling is I just hope that Netanyahu and the Israeli soldiers continue their mission. Don't stop at this point. I mean, I understand what's happening around the world, but irrespective, uh, they need to complete the mission. Right. It's a a challenge, though. Yeah, indeed. Mark, we need to take a little break. Could you stick around? Absolutely. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. He's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's office officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Tim stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett. Check out his uh, website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, is there anything going on with uh, up north in, in Israel? And, and Yeah, uh, I mean, there's still a, basically a war going on. I mean, Hezbollah sends anywhere between <clears throat> 3 and 20 rockets and missiles, some of the missiles which are much more accurate, um, to the northern part of Israel almost every day. Israel mm. responds usually with airstrikes, um, and this has been going on now since the beginning. Um, it's The biggest problem in all this is that the Israeli uh, communities on the northern border have all been evacuated, and people are living in uh, hotels. Mm. And this is now going on for four months, and it's not clear when it can end. Um, there's an attempt by the United States to negotiate a deal in which Hezbollah will move back across the Latani, which they had to do by the UN resolution from uh, that ended the 2000, uh, 2008 uh, war in Lebanon. Uh, but Hezbollah basically violated that agreement, and in return, maybe they would get some a few areas that are very disputed along the border. But so far, that agreement hasn't been reached, and um, daily warfare continues. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, Hezbollah is a representative of Hezbollah. They're not quite a puppet of, excuse me, Iran. They're not quite a puppet, uh, but they're heavily controlled by by Iran. Mm. Which brings us to the Houthis in the south. Uh, they continue to fire at shipping. They did one. They fired at a ship today, from what I understand. Uh, the United States and the UK keep on uh, attacking their their bases. Uh, so far, it has not stopped them. It's amazing. Oh. Well, thank you for that update. Let, let's move to some of the things that are happening around the rest of the world and start off with elections in Pakistan. So elections in Pakistan were very interesting. Um, they um, A surprise victory uh, for the party of the, the ousted and jailed former leader. Um, and um, it was very much of a surprise. From what I understand, a lot of it took place on social media, and the young people came out to vote, which was... Um, which is a surprise for everybody. Um, and now the military junta who's been, who took over control is now trying to figure out what to do. They thought they would gain an easy victory because there was, you know, wasn't exactly a fair and free election, let's put it that way. Right. Uh, the very fact that the major opponent has been jailed uh, says a lot about uh, the freedom of elections um, You know, in, in uh, Pakistan. Imran Khan was you know, t- twice jailed and is now been sentenced to 10 years for some ridiculous charge. Now, I'm not saying Imran Khan is a good or bad guy. It's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is you don't jail your opponent. Uh, so, Well, we do uh, here in the United States. <laughs> we try to. But. Well, that's a different story because he wasn't the opponent when he was charged, but that's a whole other story. And so, uh, um, it, But that's, uh, it's a Muslim country. Am I correct on that? Yes, it is a Muslim country. Um, and, and, um, any relationship? Been a, with, been a, what's the relationship with Iran? 
Uh, not particularly good. And one of the things that took place recently, I don't know if you remember, about two weeks ago, when Iran wanted to show its anger at everybody, it fired missiles at Pakistan. Mm. Um, Pakistan is Sunni. Iran is Shiite. That's one of the key the key differences in the um, in the Islamic world. Also, Pakistani Islam is much more, I'll call it liberal for the moment, much more moderate, more mm. or less, but not totally, because there's obviously strains of the extreme from the you know, influenced by the Taliban and others. Interesting. So let, let's move to uh, Finland. So Finland had an election. Both candidates, Finland is newly joined NATO. This is the first election since NATO, since um, since they joined NATO. They elected a center, slightly to the right, the conservative person to be its new president, uh, a strong supporter of NATO. Uh, both candidates had have had lo- long experience in foreign affairs, and the people of the country were looking for somebody with strong appearance in foreign affairs because suddenly they have Russia on their border as a enemy now because they're part of NATO, and Russia has been trying to play all sorts of games with sending asylum seekers across the border. Uh, Finland has closed its border to to Russia, so after 50 years of or more of neutrality by invading Ukraine. Uh, Putin has turned Finland into a clear enemy. Hmm. Interesting. They were uh, actually neutral during the Second World War, weren't they? Right. It was a complicated situation because don't forget the Soviet Union attacked Finland mm-hmm. uh, before. Um, you know, earlier in the war, the Finns managed to defeat the Soviets the first time around, and the second time the Soviets managed to more or less defeat the Finns, and they sued for peace, and they became a neutral country during World War Two. Interesting. No, but they're not neutral anymore. So let's move to Indonesia. So Indonesia is having elections uh, this week. Very large, very large Muslim country. The elections are thought to be free. We'll have to see. Um, You know, there's hope that it'll be free elections. Uh, You never quite know, but it's a very huge country um, in terms of both in terms of population, also because there's Indonesia itself, and there are all the islands that are part of Indonesia. So it's a very, very large Muslim country. Did I read and, that it's um, the, the third largest democracy in the uh, in the world? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So um, that's a good thing. It well, is, but yeah, you, know, you don't think in. about, at least I don't, and probably just because we're so sheltered here living in the United States and don't pay attention as much to world news, but I didn't think about Indonesia as being that massive. Oh, it's very, very massive. I mean, look, it's very massive. Yeah. And it's a democracy. I mean, let's hope it stays in democracy. I mean, the largest democracy in the world is India. Um, yeah. And they're having elections this year as well. So an awful lot of people are having elections this year. And they have, like, you know, they, they're the one country that's still growing, India. And they're at 1.3 billion, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing. And but surpa- they have free elections also. Didn't they surpass uh, 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 China in their population? Yes. They have absolutely surpassed China. China is, China is a decreasing population. Yeah. We need to keep that in mind. Decreasing populations are usually bad for economies on all sorts of levels. And there's a lot you going know, on wrong with the Chinese economy right now, if I'm not mistaken. And it, apparently 25... Very much so. And I think you know that's part of the... Once again, you know, we hyped up the Chinese economy. They were the big threat, the threat, yeah. the threat, the threat. They're thrill- there's still a military <clears throat> problem there in Taiwan and all those things related. But economically, China is no does not look like it's going to be a threat going forward to the United States. It's um, very interesting how things change. Yeah, uh, and the United States always manages to pull ahead. Uh, On the other hand, what do you what do you make of all these Chinese coming across our southern border? I mean, to me, it looks somewhat nefarious and uh, questionable, in my opinion. Look, I mean, you could make that argument, and, you know, I don't know the percentages. You also have to keep in mind that a lot of Chinese, because of Xi's crackdown and the fact that China is going in the wrong direction when it comes to democracy and freedom, are leaving. Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, America, America draws people for two reasons, traditionally over all of our history. It draws, it draws people for the freedom that America provides, you know, freedom in terms of uh, democracy, freedom of religion, freedom of... Uh, the, you know, freedom of opinion, all the freedoms that America has, people come to the United States for those freedoms, and of course for economic opportunity. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Chinese, if they're not spies, which is, we'll leave that part aside right now, and I, I, I'm sure some small percentage of them are, but most of them are just people looking for freedom. Mm-hmm. 
Keep that in mind. All these immigrants from all over the world who want to come, legal and illegal, are coming because America beckons. Uh, then no one's rushing. No one's rushing to Russia. Yeah. No one's trying to move to China. You know, we should keep that in mind. As much as we we fear or are concerned about the immigration problems that America has. Keep in mind, it's also a good sign in its own way. Well, I, I embrace personally the immigration here. We need immigration in the United States. We need it to be legal, and we need to decide who should be coming and who shouldn't. Right. Well, listen, I've always said, do you want to solve the problem of illegal immigration? Just increase legal immigration. That's all you have to do. We're, we're at about a million a year in legal immigration. Increase that to 2.5 million. Process all the people. Make sure you... You sift out all the people who are drug runners and all the other things that you know, all the things we don't want, and suddenly there will be no illegal immigration because you get people will know it'll take me two years. Okay, it'll take me two years. It'll take me three years. It'll take me three years, but I don't have to risk my life to do it. And in three years, I can come to America legally and not worry about being illegal. Yeah. That will solve the problem. Well, there's no political will to make that happen, unfortunately. So no, there isn't. Unfortunately, there absolutely is not because some people who hate who don't want who hate the illegal immigrants also like Ill- hate immigrants generally. Yeah. So that's part of the problem. We have to realize that's a reality that uh, you know, it's great to be I, I don't think there's anyone who's in favor of illegal immigrants. Everyone would there are people who favor immigration and people who don't like immigration. It's always been the case in America well, going all we, the way back to the, the do nothing parties in the 18 uh, 60s and 70s. But we're the fortunate ones, Mark, because quite frankly, I mean, China, you're not going to have people immigrating to China. There's a lot of nations, Japan, where there's no positive immigration coming into the country, and therefore it's it's going to hurt their economies. We're oh, absolutely. It, 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 it's a terrific thing for America, immigration, because immigrants themselves are people. They bring people. And the first generation of immigrants, traditionally, and it's still taking place today, have many children. Yeah. Only by the second and third generations do the number of children that immigrants have becomes equal to the rest of the population. So immigration is really important for America's future. Absolutely. It needs to be done legally, but it requires a political will. That does indeed. It really requires a political will. You know, I want to see the first candidate from any, you know, to any office in the United States just saying, I'm against illegal immigration, but let's make, you know, let's set the number two and a half million legals and let's provide the wherewithal to process two and a half million legal immigrants a year. Mark, I wish we had more time. We've got so much more to talk about, but I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I hope you'll visit the website, uh, HistoryCentral.com, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with John Miltimore. He is the uh, editor-at-large for Fee.org. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. 
Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Have some great performances coming up. I hope you'll find out more and visit the website, get some tickets. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is the website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us John Miltimore. John is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, good morning, Bob. Great being with you. Thank you so much, John. Tell us about Fee.org. Yeah, Fee's been around since 1946. Our mission is to you know, educate the next generation on the importance of economics, property rights, and other important elements to create a free society. Great organization. And if you have somebody high school or college age in your life, introduce them to this terrific website into this great organization, FEE.org. So, John, you wrote a piece so interesting. This is a great story. The FBI's lawless raid on U.S. private vaults shows why the founders created the Fourth Amendment. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, this, you know, to me, is quite a case. It it involves uh, civil asset forfeiture. Um, For those who don't know, it's it's when, you know, uh, law enforcement takes the property of the people they're arresting. And this stuff, you know, is is really common. Uh, You don't realize just how common it is, but it happens probably every day. Um, This is one of the most egregious examples I've ever found. And to give a little background, it, it goes back to, I think, March 2021. Um, the FBI raided a bunch of safe deposit boxes, um, hundreds of them. And they took mostly mostly cash, but they also took gold and silver and jewels and you know whatever, whatever was in these boxes. Um, overall, we're talking probably you know, more than $100 million worth of, of you know, items that they took. Um, the problem was... <laughs> They, they took property of people that weren't weren't doing anything wrong. Right. Um, now there was some criminal activity going on there, like this this company safe deposit. Uh, uh, the, the name of the company eludes me right now. Um, U.S. Private Vaults was the name of the company. There was some you know like people that might have been stashing you know some drugs in there and things. But most of these were people were were, were innocent. The FBI didn't care. They took all this stuff and just was refused to give it back. Um, the ninth. Circuit Court of Appeals finally, over a period of several years, looked at this and said, "No, you you have to return those items." And they they, in a striking response, they compared what the FBI was doing to what you know the the, the Revolutionary War and the Brit the British used to do, um, where they just seize items, yeah. they they just raid homes and take stuff. And, um, and as the ju- the judges pointed out, this is exactly why we have the Fourth Amendment. Is because the colonials would get so so angry by the, the these practices of the British, where they they come in your home and they try to seize anything that they they you know said was contraband that we you know the founders themselves created the the, the Fourth Amendment, um, and it, you know it, it really is just a, a quite an example of of, of lawlessness of, of our own government, and uh, it, it has got some attention. It was great the Ninth Circuit um, you know reprimanded the FBI for this, but. Um, it's, it's it's really just a shocking example of the danger of civil asset forfeiture. Indeed. In fact, the, the law enforcement agencies have a conflict of interest in the sense that uh, whatever they confiscate, they can actually keep and for their, own, for their own benefit of their organization, which is really an egregious conflict of interest. Uh, here in, in Florida, we've had this experience of people having their boats stolen off of the docks or away from the docks, used for uh, drug running. Uh, the uh, agencies end up seizing the boat. Uh, the the owner of the boat had nothing to do with the entire process. Yet they, their boat is gone. It's seized by the uh, federal authorities. Yeah, there really is. There's some dangerous incentives behind this, and, and this is a process. It's you know been going on for decades. Um, you know the the first 
time I ever heard of this. The New Yorker did a wonderful piece on this probably a decade ago that really brought uh, to light. For any listeners that want to check it out, just just Google, you know, the New Yorker and the rise of civil asset forfeiture is the name of the article. And I think it brought to attention like just how this process is abused. And and Bobby, you mentioned the incentives. Like a lot, a lot of times, these these are designed just to get revenue for law enforcement. Mm. Um, they they law enforcement preys on people they think they can get away with doing this to. Um, in this case, you know there are some criminal activities, so they said, well, let's just go in there and take the whole thing. And and to be clear, like we know the FBI didn't care about who was a criminal and who wasn't. We have depositions. Um, that are now public, where FBI agents were deposed, and they were, you know, through the process, they said they they were just trying to anybody that any box that had more than five thousand dollars, they intended to seize, regardless of of what they they didn't know who owned those that they were doing any cr- criminal activity or not. They they thought they could get away with it. Uh, so the the incentives are dangerous. This is not. Uh, something that the people who formed our government ever would have, you know, intended to allow to happen. This is why we have a Fourth Amendment. Um, the fact that the FBI doesn't respect it at all and thinks they can get away with this shows we, you know, we really do need um, checks on power, on, on government power like this, because yeah. um, you have a, a federal agency that, that really is running around out of control. And, and the, the worrying part, to me, is is who's going to be held accountable for yeah. this? And, and the, the the really sad answer is I don't think anybody will be. The the, the agent that led this raid probably um, got a promotion, reprimanded. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe a promotion. You, maybe a promotion. <laughs> I, I think that's the problem. You know, in the incentives, those that say, "Wow, this person's really good at this." Yeah. You know, <laughs> here we go. Let, let's just you know, she, she and, and that that just might be the case. She just might get promoted for this, yeah. which is which is even more frightening. It is indeed. And then uh, put yourself on the place of perhaps somebody that owned one of these safe deposit boxes, perhaps was sticking their life savings, gold coins, whatever it might be. You know, these people have been out of their assets that have been taken away from them. In this case, because the court intervened, thank God. But it may have taken years in order to have this thing uh, settled. Really? And and that's just it. When you look at the, the, you know, the fine print on this, you see... Um, these aren't drug lords who had these safe deposit boxes. These are people, you, you had a retired doctor, you had a saxophone player, a, a retired, uh, you know, floor contractor, a couple of attorneys with their people that, you know, so you read their stories during the pandemic. You're like, wow, I, I'm really nervous. Um, banks are failing doing stuff. So I'm going to just open a safe deposit box, um, to, to kind of put some of these, you know, my own precious coins in here um and to have your property taken from you and the fbi be like no sorry you're not getting it back um and eventually they did um but only once the court was you know told them you have to and um you know they were treating these people like criminals it's really shocking to read all these things so hopefully you know it's it's a process that we can see well i think if, if most americans understood just how um prevalent this process is i think there'd be an end of it so the more you know people can can understand that this is actually happening um, and, and, and shine a light on it. Hopefully we can see an end of this process, you know, soon. Absolutely. I'm so happy you brought this story to our attention. I just want to encourage our listeners to go to your website, fee.org, F-E-E.org. And again, if you have somebody high school or college age in your life, please introduce them to this fine organization, F-E-E.org. John, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Bob. You have a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida, 
A confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, helping to prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected offices. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's also the author of some terrific murder mysteries. His first is uh, Follow the Leader. Its sequel is Shake the Money Tree, and his latest is called No Problem. Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, it's a pleasure, Bob. You know, all the headlines recently have uh, concerned the mental health of our President Joe Biden, uh, and so we've all become expert psychoanalyst and it has it has me thinking about former president trump the way he thinks he he seems to be instinctual uh joe biden because he suffers from dementia it makes me wonder who's really uh, running things in the white house because i've had experience with people with dementia uh they're very easily confused and they are very susceptible to suggestion from others so so and susceptible uh, to anger as well yes so so and and i think both candidates have serious uh decision making problems and and what they call cognitive biases but the more i look into this i see i have tremendous cognitive biases we all have cognitive biases because it's the way we're wired. You know, we're wired to grow up uh, in the forest and, and be constantly on the alert for attack from bears or whatever and, and to make snap decisions for for survival. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, Mark, Mark Twain had a famous quote about this, and I just it's one of my favorites. He says, what gets us into trouble is not what we don't know. It's what we know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the, the best summation of this I've heard. So now I'm recalling that one of my favorite nonfiction books is Thinking Fast and Slow by uh, Daniel Kahneman, which was uh, back in 2011, mm-hmm. which is on my bookshelf and which I reread every few years. And I'm reading a, a book by a former uh, CIA analyst, uh, Randolph uh, Fearson, and he goes into cognitive biases, and it just makes me appreciate how important this next election is, because it's the collective result mm-hmm. of of all our insufficient knowledge. I mean, we just can't get our everything. It's so complex. Right. Uh, not one of us can get our head around all the uh, issues, but collectively, we manage to come out with a good result. So I think this is probably, and I, every election is described as the most important in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think this coming election really is the most important in our lifetime because of, uh, you know, the, the, the social climate in this country, uh, the, the climate in the world. It's just, uh, um, I, you know, I disagree with you on Trump, but I, I, I now respect your opinion because uh, 
you know, I realize that I have my biases and, and, and mm-hmm. I'm going to, uh, uh, unlike Trump, I'm going to accept the collective wisdom of the electorate. Right. Well, now, Trump said some outrageous things. For example, he said that, uh, that Putin should go ahead and go to war with anybody who doesn't pay their fair share into NATO. <laughs> now, he doesn't really mean that. What he means is, hey, you guys, pay up. You bunch of guys that are... Uh, uh, not not doing your fair share, you got to pay up and make it happen. So this was a way of his drawing attention to the issue. But uh, you, you know, if you understand the way the man thinks, he's a promoter. He's a he, and he, what, he, what he does, what did he call? He called Angela Merkel. Angle, Angela, he was at a meeting with Angela Merkel at a NATO meeting, and hmm. uh, she she called him out for showing up late uh, to the meeting, and he said. You're calling me out. You're a deadbeat. You're not paying your fair share to the NATO. <laughs> That's his style. I mean, he just he calls them like he sees them, and I really respect that. Yeah, he actually, if you read the biography of uh, P.T. Barnum, it sounds like P.T. Barnum could have been Donald Trump's father. So, I, you know, there's an American tradition of people like uh, Trump, and his, and his words are easily twisted. <laughs> and this is another reason that we should all, you know, pick up a book on cognitive biases, because, you know, both political parties and advertisers try to game us right. by taking advantage <clears throat> of our cognitive biases. So if if we are aware of uh, how we can uh, jump to uh, a conclusion that is erroneous jump to a conclusion that is injurious to our uh, well-being um you know we have we have a uh, more sensible uh, decision making process on you know who we choose who what we buy what products we buy you know how how who we listen to and who we reject. Well, let me and I'll, I'll admit, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I'm guilty of this, but, uh, you know, once I form a bias about something or somebody, uh, then no matter what happens, tends to reinforce my bias. <laughs> and, and, and that's unfortunate because a more thoughtful person would just absolutely consider the information and uh, uh, what's uh, transpired and make a decision based on, based on the information, not necessarily the person, or the, or the what's happening in the position there, but uh, I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, yes. When, when Trump when Trump says something, I tend to process it in a way that I know what he means and I respect it. Other people who the Trump people who hate him, you know, whatever he says, they're going to figure out some way to dislike it. Well, well, and the other thing, the NATO comment, I understood what he was trying to say, but I also thought, boy, that's really a stupid way to frame it yeah. because it. And especially, he's giving away an advantage because all the headlines had been focused on Biden and his gaffes and his dementia, and then and then Trump comes out with that outrageous statement, which he thought was funny and witty, but but it it just gave leverage to his detractors. And I thought, you know, this is Trump's wit backfiring he, yeah. he didn't think this through so that's why i have problems with both of these candidates yeah. um, and and uh, nikki haley my former favorite she's fallen flat on her face uh she just is not elegant enough or she doesn't seem to have a a, a genuine grasp of uh, world affairs and i think uh, you know she's going to get blown away in south carolina and and Trump on February 24th will clearly yeah. be the Republican I mean, front runner. If you saw the uh, the rally this weekend where thousands and thousands of people showed up and, and more than the people that actually showed up in the rally got in, uh, couldn't get into the building. And it's unbelievable. So she holds a rally. 11 people show up. <laughs> she just doesn't have a prayer. I mean, she should understand that because it's uh, this, this election was already won before she ever entered the race. Quite frankly, in my opinion, yeah. So uh, now back to my cognitive bias. Pennsylvania is so close. The, the we have the largest uh, state legislature in the country. The uh, it's a hundred and one to a hundred in in the Pennsylvania State House right now because of resignations. The, the leadership between Republicans and Democrats have changed several times because 
the party divisions in Pennsylvania are so tight. Yeah. Uh, Biden won Pennsylvania because of uh, the eastern section, the Pittsburgh section, and, and state college area, you know, the university. Yeah. It's, it's a mini-map of the United States with the two, the two coasts. Uh, so the real, uh, I think the, uh, the most important election is not going to be the, who's president because, the, you know, either one will be a lame duck. Who will control the House and the Senate? And, and we haven't been focusing on that. And I think uh, the Republicans really are going to have um, a difficult time retaining control of, yeah. uh, well, of uh, Jim, you are the absolutely, House. Yeah, I just uh, really respect that point of view. And I tell you what, I just wish we had more time. But uh, unfortunately, our time is up, Jim. I genuinely appreciate your interesting comment commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow's show as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>